As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 61 of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby, here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Uh, Mark, you're back. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. It was nice to be a roundtable head for a week. And, and to get infuriated with the lack of fact-checking that goes on in this piddly podcast when I'm not here. Oh boy, here it comes. Come I'm on, just give it saying, to us. like Thalma and Louise are the ones who drove off the cliff together, not Bonnie and Clyde. I think what he was going for was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, like, jumping off the cliff together, maybe? No, I was 100% thinking that Bonnie and Clyde drove off the cliff together. That's Holy Thelma crap. and Louise. I'm pretty oh. sure that is Thelma and Louise. Wait, okay. So Thelma and Louise is the one with Brad Pitt, right? Uh-huh. Bonnie and Clyde is... Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway. And Robert Redford is... Sundance Kid. Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Who's Butch Cassidy? Uh, no, uh, Butch Cassidy. Uh, and then, uh, what is it, Paul Newman? One of them? Paul Newman. Okay. All right. Can you imagine just listening to this show... And, like, not immediately turning it off? Yeah, no, this is the good stuff. It's the, it's the actual <laughs> baseball content that gets us in trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We get over our skis when we discuss baseball. What the hell's going on in that sport? I will just say, elephant in the room, uh, we do a lot of spoofs and goofs on this show. Wander Franco, we are not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Uh, because there's just not a lot that we know about it right now. Uh, there's no spoofs or goofs to be had with this. So that's if you're waiting for our hot takes, buddy, you're not going to find them. 
I do want to say, like, it's not that, like, we're, we don't, I mean, as you said, Graham, we do, we we mess around a bit, like, on the show, but I don't think we're afraid to, like, discuss serious things and not just, you know, make fun of each other, but, like, what is there to say about the case while it's under investigation? And then discussing, hey, how does this, what are the ramifications for the Rays roster? <laughs> no, man, we're not doing no. that. So, we'll just see, well, you know, when we know more, maybe we'll have something to say, but until then, not, you know, brutal story. Good way to put it. We're going to move on to awards. It's a pre-award <laughs> season. Yeah, how about that segue? Just butter, just smooth and silky. No, seriously, we're at MVPs, Cy Young's Rookies of the Year. Uh, I'll go first. AL Cy Young, I have an idea. Okay, can I start with a macro question? Damn it, about I the meant, Cy Youngs? Wait, I meant AL MVP. That was my joke. Oh, oh son of a on. biscuit. <sighs> I have no idea AL Cy Young. Grant. I don't know, man. I actually have, I real quick, my vote this year, I have a vote. It's for NL Manager of the Year. Well, it's oh, Buck wow. Showalter. I know who you're voting for. I have written in the past about how I hate the Manager of the Year award because it ends up being like, manager of the team that surpassed my preseason expectations. And I've been like, ah, it's lazy. There's got to be a way to really dig down and, and do a lot of work and, and really just dive into this and spend time to figure out the manager of the year. And, and now I'm the idiot that's got to do that. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to kick this in the butt. I'm going to like talk to people. I'm going to do research. I'm going to do managerial stats. I'm going to talk to like our, our Marlins beat writer, our Diamondbacks beat writer, our Brewers beat writer. I'm going to get like all of that down. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to do the work here. I actually think there's an obvious pick for NL manager of the year, and I don't think he's going to win it. I think it's Dave Roberts. He's had to deal with a lot. The Dodgers are, like, really screwed up roster-wise. They have had a lot of things go wrong. Their pitching is just, like, a bit of a nightmare. And they are going to win that division by seven or eight games. Like, at some point, you know, there should be some acknowledgement of the things that Dave Roberts does really, really well. Like, really, really well, you know, in keeping this thing on the rails. They have two top ten players uh, in, in the lineup all the time. Like, two top ten in baseball with Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Like, I get what you're saying, and I do appreciate that he's had a ton of struggles with the pitching. But, man, like, that that team is loaded offensively. So I get it. But all season, I've been impressed with the way Gabe Kapler has managed the Giants pitching staff with, you know, you got Logan Webb and Alex Cobb in the first half, and then you have to figure it out with opener after opener after opener without guys getting tired and it, it's been really impressive but I again I have to do like I gotta figure out what what a Craig Council is like I gotta like it, look at like what he's doing because it's probably good I don't know I don't know there's two problems with manager of the year sorry Mark I know I know you're chomping at the bit to defend Buck um there, there's just real quick there's two problems with manager of the year one incomplete information it's just an impossible award to actually know enough to vote you just don't know like we just it's just impossible to know all the things that go into the, the 15 different clubhouses right in each league and then also it's a different assignment for different managers like dave roberts's job is different than gabe kapler's job and so kapler can be very good at what he's doing but it's a different he's doing a different thing every day than what roberts is doing than what tori lovello is doing and that, that we'll get into my macro question about the cy young shortly but that's just the thought i have where it's like yeah Gabe, it seems like gabe's doing a good job but like how do you rate this good job versus that good job it, you know there's no metric to decide well they should abolish the award so i mean honestly 
Like they should just like get rid of it. It's because it, all those things are true. And, you know, the Dave Roberts thing is actually a great point. We sit here and talk about all these teams that are full of talent and have shit the bed. The Padres have shit the bed. The Angels have shit the bed. The Mets have shit the bed. And the Yankees have shit the bed. And now, now here's the Dodgers who could very easily be in that group. And because their talent is like, oh, well, they can't possibly like give this guy manager. Like to me, that just it underscores how dumb the award is. Then, if we can't <laughs> reward people for doing a good job in literally the exact same scenario that other teams have, have faced and are doing far worse, then when does this person deserve any credit? Then, let me ask that. To this point, Bruce Bochy never won Manager of the Year with the Giants. Not once. I mean, how dumb is that? Is that true? Yeah. Gabe Kapler has more Manager of the Years with the Giants than Bruce Bochy. I mean, seriously, how dumb is that? That guy's got three rings and Buck Showalter's got none. And Buck's (laughs) got four Manager of the Years. Here he goes. And Bochy's got none in San Francisco. Come. I mean, there you go. Case closed. What a stupid-ass award. Like, what's the point? It's all eyewash if we're just, if we can't, like, you literally can't manage it. And the things that they do well are things you're not going to see. It's happening behind closed doors. You know, like, it's it's being able to tell somebody, you know, they're going to have to take a demotion, like, either out of the lineup or get sent down or out of the rotation. And to be able to do those types of things and still keep the ship going smoothly. And we don't see that stuff. We don't see that stuff. I will take this seriously, though, and I'm going I'm to be the best Dern voter that, that you've ever seen. Mark, I mean, did you know that Buck has won Manager of the Year more? I mean, no manager has won it more times than he has? Dude, and he should win it again this year because all these Mets stories have come out, and he's the only guy that has no fault in what happened over there. <laughs> I mean, that, if you can't win an award for that... Yeah, like, I, I don't know what, what, they should this name the damn thing obsession. after. They should call really, it the Buck Showalter Manager of the Year Award. How did we do this? How, we took like three weeks off from this. We really did. We what? did avoid this. No, the weeks. Teflon manager does it again. He oh, should make man. it back to back. I wish I cared about anything as much as you care about this, Mark. I, I don't care about it. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I just think it's hilarious. That's all. Yeah. All right. Um, give me your macro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, like, so Cy Young, right? Like, I don't vote for any of these things anymore because I just I just stopped. Um, you know, when I went to the L.A. Times, they uh, they wouldn't let us vote. And I found I didn't miss it um, at all. And so I just didn't I haven't picked it back up since I came here. Um, but like, how do you decide what you care about with regard to pitching in a given year? Because it's also like it's such a like last year was an interesting example of like, Sandy Alcantara and Julio Arias, right? Like Sandy Alcantara, I think was a pretty clear winner. He was pretty clearly like the pitcher who had accumulated the most value, but he was also permitted to accumulate value in a way that someone like Julio Arias was not. Now, like some of that is on merit. Some of that is on, you know, the philosophy of the team. So like, I just, what I wonder is like, if you're given a Cy Young vote, like what are the categories that you look at to, that really matter to you? And do they change from year to year? How, are they different now than they were five years ago? Dude, they might be different than they were three years ago. I think that's absolutely the right way to look at it. You know, the thing about these awards, as, as someone who had voted for a long time when I was a writer, they don't give you many instructions. It's really open-ended. I think in the MVP, you know, there's one that I would ignore, which is like character. Because like, come on, okay? Like you can't... <laughs> 
good luck. Good luck trying to ascertain that, all right? Now, the second part of it is, well, they've got to play a bunch of games. Makes sense. You got to post. Other than that, that's it. And so with the others, it's even more open-ended. They just give you nothing to go on, which I think is a smart thing to do, especially when we're talking about pitching. It's changed so much fundamentally. I think there's never been a wider gap between the numbers that the players care about and the numbers that most folks are using to evaluate performance. And I think that gap is widest in pitching because we talk to guys and, and, you know, even the ones that are hip to sort of like how metrics work and, and, and aren't intimidated by those things will still tell you it bothers them if they don't have a W by their name at the end of the ball game. And, and so there are people that might listen to this and roll their eyes. And, and I would tell those people, hey, man, like put the shoe on the other foot for a second. This has been drilled into your head your entire baseball life that this is important. It's not as easy as it sounds to just ignore that. So I, I think that's where the voters come in is that, you know, if you're trying to do it properly, you should be dynamic and evolving in the way you evaluate and what numbers you use because, hey, man, it does change. And, and so the thing I land on is this, who's posting, okay? And yeah, and it's a great point talking about the Marlins and sort of the, you know, actually Alcantara like went through 115 pitches the other day. He still does, Yankees. yeah. Right. So, you know, and I get that and, and certainly you weigh that. But also when it, it is just become increasingly rare to be able to get those types of innings of length of performance from, from pitchers, you know, regardless of that context, I think it's still something you pay attention to. So, you know, I, I think for me, like there's there so much weight that I feel like should be carried by just how often you're able to provide this performance for your team. Like it really is a quantity game in a lot of ways when it comes to the pitching. To this point, it, it, just a quick quiz here. Baseball reference war. Which National League pitcher is at the top in baseball reference war? Strider. That's a good guess. Logan Webb. Uh, I think I looked at this. Yeah, I looked at this earlier. I, I had a, a thought about this as well, but keep going. You'd be, okay, so Logan Webb, and, and he's doing it for a lot of reasons, but the most important one is innings. He's just giving the Giants innings. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but they're not laborious innings there he's getting them into the seventh the eighth uh he was a, a pitch away from a complete game over the weekend he's doing this comfortably calmly for a team that really needs it uh that a team that doesn't have a ton of healthy starters that has value so if i'm looking at okay i'm looking at strikeout rates i'm looking at what a pitcher can control i'm looking at uh, walk rates home run rates i'm looking at uh, sure i'll look at the era i'll also look at the the, F, the fip i'll look at all this different stuff and then you'll probably get, in most years, two, three, four pitchers that are all clumped together. Then, I, then you look at the innings, and, and that's, that's where you make the decision, because that is 20 innings that weren't going to uh, Tristan Beck. That's uh, 30 innings that weren't going to Jacob Junis, uh, which those pitchers have been fine this year, but you know what I'm saying. And, and on some teams, the pitchers that have to get those innings aren't fine. Innings are so big, especially when you're uh, dealing and you're at the top of a rotation. So innings is the thing that matters to, to you guys the most. Like that's a that's a separator. It's a separator. That's a great way to put it. It's, it's a, a tiebreaker. It's a separator. It's not the end all be all. You can you can be a Cy Young if you're you know throwing 130 innings if you're that dominant. But yeah, it's definitely a separator. I think it's become more of a separator because I remember, and you just said it right there, Grant. When I hear dominant, I think strikeouts. Are you getting guys to miss the ball? The thing though is that. 
there's so many of them now. That's one. Like the, the strikeouts just aren't, you know, they're so plentiful. Uh, and also, the reason that front offices and people who are in charge of finding players love strikeouts isn't the strikeout itself necessarily. It's that it's the safe bet. The thinking being, if you can strike a guy out, that is probably not luck. That's something you can replicate as you climb the ladder in organized baseball and get to the major leagues. That, you know, and maybe it's because you've got an elite fastball, which is often the case, or you've got a secondary pitch that's just like elite and filthy. And then if you get the fastball good enough to pair off of that, now you've got a bunch of strikeouts. But that's a safe bet. So when we're looking though, at like uh, voting for a Cy Young Award, you know, this is really about what actually happened. It's about performance. You know, and I think for a long time, I kind of like thought, oh, strikeouts matter there. But I don't know, maybe they don't as much. I think, you know, when we're just looking at, okay, what actually happened on the ball field? That's why innings to me stands out. You threw the innings. You were out there on the field where your team needed you to be, right? And like you mentioned Webb, like, you know, his strikeout numbers obviously aren't super high. And yet, I don't know, there's 29 other teams that would kill for that dude in their rotation right now. Wouldn't they? Like, absolutely kill for him. So, I, you know, it's innings, and I, I feel like along with that, I feel like when we talk about dominance, you know, there are times where you have to make that decision, right? There's a guy who throws a bunch of innings, and you're comparing them to someone who has fewer innings, but they've been absolutely filthy. In my mind, like, it's really hard to overcome the innings these days. Really, really hard. I think also with the strikeout numbers, you're going to see there's going to be certain guys. I mean, Strider comes to mind, right? Strider's going to be a really interesting test case if he stays healthy and has the kind of career it looks like he's going to have, where he's going to have seasons where he puts together, you know, like 160 to 175 innings with like 14 strikeouts per nine, right? With like, you know, maybe like a three and a half ERA and probably a FIP that's underneath that, you know, like... And there's going to be times when you watch him when you're like, this is like the greatest pitcher I've ever seen. Like this guy is just, this is a reliever for six innings, basically just destroying this opponent. But then, you know, you will contrast that with someone like Webb, who is probably, if his career goes the way that, you know, he's going to want it to go, hopefully he has a lot of seasons of 200 innings, maybe even like 210 innings. I know that's a crazy number to get to of like three, two, five ERA with a much higher you know, with a higher FIP, right? Because he's not missing as many bats. And so you're going to have like, he'll have a season with baseball reference says he's worth six wins and Fangraph says he's worth four and a half and Strider will be reversed. And it's like, okay, so what, so do you decide on like, is it a rate based award? Is it an accumulation based award? And then how do you factor in like, well, what if Strider was allowed to go deeper into games, you know? And, and you know, and that's not suggesting the Braves aren't managing him properly, but like, do you start to, Ding guys or you know support guys based on just their usage. I, I don't know. I just think it to me like the MVP seems like a straightforward kind of easy thing to vote for, especially if you have the American League. Just check Otani's name every year. But Cy Young feels like really complicated in a way that involves a lot of work, especially when I'm not getting paid for it. Dude, he's right. It's gotten way more complicated. That is true. I I think it has been more difficult. And I remember. You know, and I don't know, this is years ago now, but like in the clubhouse, having these conversations with the players, they too were all over the map. It wasn't exactly the easiest thing for them. And and by the way, this is a subset of people that tend to kind of be like minded. All right. Like they, they tend to sort of, you know, there's still a lot of people. Hey, man, it's about the wins. Don't laugh at me. I'll tell you why. And like, hey, I'd listen to it. I get it. OK, like, but also 
yeah, they were kind of all over the place too. And it just, I think it underscores just the changing nature of it. You know, I'm always amazed at just like how, you know, I think the winds in particular just become so much more irrelevant every year just because of the way pitchers are used. It, it doesn't, it's really not a good, it was never probably a very good measure, especially when you're looking at it from the season to season. That's especially true now, given how, you know, pitching is deployed. So anyway. I understand the point you're making, like, and, and I, it's not like I feel like they should take away those Cy Youngs from like DeGrom or Felix Hernandez or whatever. But like, I do think if your argument is going to be that innings matter, posting matters, taking the baseball matters, like if you're a good pitcher, you're going to win your games. I mean, no, because Jacob DeGrom was a good pitcher, didn't win his games. He didn't go deep into games. Logan Webb's not winning games because the Giants are scoring, you know, 0.5 runs per game. Have they considered pitching better? I don't know. Talk to him. I mean, it's kind of a weird stat when you can take an L and, like, give up no earned runs. I mean, but just that's bizarre to me. You should miss more bats. (laughs) I mean, come on. Good pitchers win games. That's insane. This isn't – I'm not having this argument. This is insane. Good pitchers win games. I'm not saying they're not good pitchers. They're obviously very, very, very good pitchers. But good pitchers win games. Yeah, if Logan Webb were pitching for the Braves, he'd be 18-1. and one. If Garrett Cole were pitching for the Braves, he'd be, you know, 20 and negative one. Team matters, and I think that's that's one of the reasons. I get what you're saying, like, control what you can control. But, you know, the win is a team stat. It's like RBI, where you... I, yeah, I understand. I cool understand that heck, it's a, but... I'm not, you know, I'm not doing this. I can't. What is, what is this, fucking 1998? What am I doing here? I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't. I can't. You got, you know, Carig sent me on the road for a week. Let me tell you something. So, <laughs> so I'm on the road. I'm in Texas. It's 105 degrees out. I opened up my uh, my travel bag that has all my toiletries and, uh, you know, after I took a shower today. And I uh, popped open the deodorant. The cap was still on it. Meaning that I didn't put on deodorant yesterday and I just didn't realize it. <laughs> so that's the kind of the life I'm living out here. I have to explain to you morons that p- good pitchers actually win their games more often than not. Wow. And uh, uh, good hitters have a lot of RBI. They really they can smell the, the run you know it's, you production know it's out there. Actually, yes. Actually, yes. Good good hitters do drive in runs. Actually, they do. Yes. And also, <laughs> my, my uh, album of the year is Nirvana's Nevermind. Because it just came out. It's 1991. Listen here, you bandwagon-ass idiot, okay? <laughs> Don't you feel kind of bad for Teenage Fan Club that, like, for the rest of their lives, they're like, oh, you know who really, you know, they're like the uh, the Sam Perkins of uh, of indie rock. Dude, yeah, yeah, no. And Mark it, has I'm no a, idea what we're talking about. I, I'm a huge Teenage Fan Club head. Like, me I too. Am, yeah. I am, I am, a, like, but to me, the, the biggest travesty is that Grand Prix is their best album. Like that is a stone oh, cold classic. I uh, I'd go to that way more than bandwagon ask. Uh, Mark, what's your favorite teenage fan club? Man, album? that sounds really good. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Mark love is that. Mark is the actual person who puts on teenage fan club and asks, "Is this music?" <laughs> I'm the actual person who is going to decline your expense if you put in for deodorant just to get you back for 2009. You son of a bitch, dude. I I'll I'll pay for the deodorant if you really need to be reimbursed that sounds that sounds brutal have you heard the story about uh when mark and i worked at the star ledger uh in 2009 and uh mark so my i got hired out of college as like an intern and then they kept me on as like a freelance clerk i guess basically and uh so i was like basically like a staff writer but i also had some like clerking office responsibilities and uh one of the things i had to do 
was the reporters would basically show up with like an envelope full of receipts and I would have to put in their expenses. So Mark like shows up at the office, like covering the Yankees, like, wow, I'm covering the Yankees. AJ Burnett talks to me every day and drops off this envelope at my desk. And, uh, and he's like, Andy, do my, you know, do my receipts. And then he leaves, you know, to go to back to, to Yankee stadium. And so I'm doing all the receipts and, uh, you know, it's like lunches, you know, hotels, whatever. And then there's a receipt for a haircut. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like three months out of college. Like, so I walked into, you know, my boss's office and I was like, Hey, I guess this was a pretty narc thing to do, but I'm really not sure what the right thing to do is here. (laughs) And I was like, Hey, Mark uh, is trying to expense a haircut. That's okay, right? And our our wonderful uh, boss, uh, Drew Van Esselstyn, great man. He just he says, "Mark's doing what?" <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like, he's like, "Can you give me that real quick?" And I hand him the receipt, and he goes, "Okay." And then he just picks up the phone and immediately calls Mark, and is like, "We're not expensing your haircut." <laughs> Whoops. Was the thought like, if I didn't have this job, baby, like I'd just let it fly. This <laughs> <Right. laughs> ain't me that's I doing mean, it. Like, I, look, I in in the end, I Mark should have gotten that twenty dollars, and you know the uh, the Newhouse family of publications could have afforded to pay for it, but I didn't know what to do. I just was, you know, so I screwed up. I'm sorry. And no, he did not. I give Andy so much shit for this. He did not screw up. Just, you know, let, let's have some added context here. I was broke as fuck, yeah, okay? Right, 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 like, right, that's right, why I freaking right. tried to expense a goddamn haircut. We, I didn't have any money. We were, we were not well paid. Dude, we, <laughs> are you kidding? Like, man, if, if, if they paid us that now, okay, I don't know if, like, that would, like, cover my golf rounds for the year, okay? Like, it, it was just, like, brutal. So, yes, that, that, the funny part of that is, man, I was hella poor. Anyway. Listen, if I'm Charlie Blackman, I get uh, traded to the Yankees. I'm straight up getting a, a shave at a barber's shop and billing the Yankees. Like, I am just billing them every week. Like, yeah, here you go. Sounds a bit like make me shave my beard. By the way, uh, CC Sabathia won 19 games for the 2009 Yankees. He was a good pitcher. He won oh, those games. Wow. How many, how many uh, runs per game did they score that year? I don't know. I just um, know that he won. A lot. That they that, gave that him team the baseball. Could rake. They gave him the baseball and he won on the day Son they pitched. Of a biscuit. Yeah, uh, really I will good. say, so I do actually appreciate Mark's point where it, uh, you look at what happened on the field, right? Because there are a ton of stats when I'm looking at Rookie of the Year, when I'm looking at MVP, that I wouldn't care about in the offseason if I'm trying to evaluate what's going to happen going forward. But if you've got a guy who's hitting 450 with runners in scoring position, does that mean that he's, you know, like some sort of robo Tony Gwynn and that he's figured out the secrets of clutch hitting? No. And in the future, I'll expect that to regress to the mean. But during that season, yeah, that matters. That counts. That's cool as hell. Bonus points. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So you reward. I mean, this isn't idiotic, but like you, it seems it seems idiotic to say it out loud. But you're rewarding re- results over process. Essentially. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, uh, but yeah, Go on. No, no, I'm just I'm just curious if like if that's what you think you value is like for good things to happen. Oh yeah, no. Right. When it comes Even, to like this, right, ki- right. this so kind like of wins. So like, if the pitch yeah. Wins. No, I knew you. I knew you were trying to trap me. <laughs> but the win's a goof stat, man. It's a it's goof not stat. a goof. Like, it look, it's a goof cannot, stat. I cannot believe that. I can't physically can't do this right now. Goof like, stat. I <laughs> goof stat. <laughs> man, this is. So- 
<laughs> you guys, you know, you like whatever. You're doing a bit for. I'm know, not doing fans. a bit. That's I'm watching you, you guys duke it out because it never happens and it's wonderful. I want to take right. a break for once and not be your freaking foil and watch yeah. Grant take some freaking swings for once. This is Grant. Get him. Get his ass, Grant. You ever play the Super Nintendo? It's got a lot of buttons, but I think that system's going to make it. I do not think that Kyle Wright should have won the Cy Young last year because he won 22 games. I am saying that good pitchers tend to win their games more often than they lose. We all know this is true. That's how the sport has always functioned. But if I'm comparing someone on the Braves to someone on the Marlins, you know what I mean? Like, you have to take in the support. You have to take in the defense. You have to take in all these considerations because it's not apples to apples. Sometimes it's apples to pomegranates. Sometimes it's apples to rutabagas. And like, I, you, you can't get me to care about pitcher wins. You just can't. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, Nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. I'm not asking you to care, Grant. I would never, I would never ask something that uh, onerous of you, my friend and podcast co-host. I am asking you, Grant, I am asking you to stop doing this because you know I am right and you know you agree. 
and you are doing this purposely to get me spun up, I believe. Uh, I'm really not. Like, I listen, man, I cut, <laughs> I cut my freaking teeth on Usenet. You know, you expect me to care about pitcher wins? Buddy, I was back there with Keith Woolner when you were still in middle school. How many how many sliding doors moments are you away are uh, how many sliding door moments away are you away from being a GM? Me? Yeah, like it's there's got to be in one of the scenarios, right, where a person like you became a GM or you specifically became a GM. Sweet Christmas. No, I'm a moron. You're I mean, well, yes, but no. Like Yeah, no. I, first I, of all, I you haven't you haven't talked to every GM. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, man, I make jokes here. Like, I, it's a GM. My, my God, like, I, I, uh, I don't like what they call work. You know, know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was a really hard worker to get where I am as far as, like, I wrote 20,000 words a week to be where I am today. And uh, now I'm done. You know what I mean? I'm not writing 20,000 words anymore. My brain doesn't work like that. And GM, to me, seems like a 40,000 word per week gig always and forever like I just I you have to have a certain drive but also you have to know ball and I don't man yeah no, no you've made that very clear in this conversation you don't except know for wins man because they suck they suck <laughs> you know I'm starting to sense a new t-shirt opportunity here and by the way oh. hey thanks for that Andy yeah, Thank yeah, you. No Thank you for putting my email on the podcast last <laughs> week. The roundtable heads, like, you know, emailing me while I was on assignment, as Grant liked to say. Why would I have the authority, by the way, on merch? Oh, I'm, you don't I'm at all. I just, wanted to see, I just wanted to see how many people contacted you. It was like seven or eight. We had seven or eight. I mean, in the hierarchy, you are like above us. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, so but I don't have, have t-shirt control around here is the point. I'm not like some... Closer than us. Big shot. No, that's we, a big shot. We should get we merch. We, here. we should get merch, I think. Yeah, wins suck right next to um, the only pro-labor baseball podcast. Oh, I that's love good. that. Yeah, I love that's that. That's good. There's a, a, a podcast that I'm familiar with called The Omnibus. It's got uh, uh, Ken Jennings, the Jeopardy host, and Bean Dad, for lack of a, a better... Better uh, description. What? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good good podcast, uh, entertaining. But they have uh, a bit on there where is, is something compatible with Marxism or is it incompatible with Marxism? And so like they're going through, and it's like, oh well, that's not compatible with Marxism. They use it in the same jokey way as like pro labor podcast. So they have two different shirts. You can rock your compatible with Marxism shirt or your incompatible with Marxism shirt. You get to choose. So serious question for you guys. Okay, our pitcher wins incompatible with marxism or are they compatible <laughs> with marxism grant you first pitcher wins are uh, just an absolute tool of the bourgeoisie uh, they are uh they are just uh, I, I, boy i'm over my skis here i have no idea man yeah they're incom <laughs> they're incompatible let's move on um well, no, they're, they're actually actually you guys, no. are it you guys are such idiots like <laughs> if you're actually arguing that it's a collective achievement then then of course it's compatible you guys are oh my god i'm so tilted right now i'm gonna i am so tilted i'm gonna go i'm gonna go get vietnamese food and have pho and then walk out into 110 degree heat uh <laughs> you know and just have the absolute nuclear ass they should sell that at the ballpark Probably literally at, at a stand called ball pho <laughs> i will <laughs> 
I would, no. Ball fuck, <laughs> right, yeah. right next to tie goes to the runner. Yeah. Oh, man. Baseball-themed restaurants. You could do like a whole row. Well, because Seattle still has it, I think. Intentional walk. It's Chinese uh, food. You get it? Oh, God. I got it. No, this is, this is definitely the group I want to hear discuss the Wanda Franco situation. <laughs> this is the group. I will say, uh, uh, Texas, to me, uh, when I go to Houston, uh, fa. It's, it's always fa. It's just the, the Vietnamese diaspora. Off the charts, great. Houston is one of the towns that, uh, you know, it's, it's spread out more, but Houston, like, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, was one of the best for uh, Vietnamese food. It's still very good. It's just, it's more commonplace. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, Vietnamese immigrants who moved there. So also Atlantic City, New Jersey, you can get really far. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of folks came over and worked at the casinos. And so it built up a real vibrant sort of Vietnamese community there. Yeah, I love hearing about regional stuff like that where, you know, you just, you're not thinking about it. But then you're like, well, you, when you're in Milwaukee, you get, you know, like all of this, you know, the, the kind of like the, the immigrant diaspora that populated Milwaukee. Anyways, that's not basically Ethiopian and Somalian food in Minneapolis, for example. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Dude, San Jose and, and Vietnamese, actually. It's a big one. Pizza in New York. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I go there, I'm going to get myself a real New York slice. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, that that might be the funniest bit in in sitcom history. I know we're that's way, a great bit. We're that's way a great off bit. of baseball, but like that makes me laugh every single time. The, oh my gosh, that's the one where where Conan O'Brien walks by him, right? When he thinks he sees Tina Fey. No, no, no. That's a uh, 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 that's The Office where you got Michael Scott. What show are you talking about? The it's Office. The office. Yeah, yeah. It's Michael Scott goes to New York City and he's in Times yeah. Square. And oh, he you're, walks you're talking about later in the episode. Yeah, later in the episode. God, I got it. I haven't seen that episode in a while. I just know that bit. Man, Grant, you're all right. Well, maybe we'll talk off mic about your stealing Simpsons Valor stuff going on here. But do you guys care about the NL MVP race at all? Yeah, I, I, well, Pick I mean, a brave it, any brave. It, it's a. <laughs> So I think yeah, right. this is a perfect one where uh, I will use as a tiebreaker Acuna stolen bases because they're neat. You know what I mean? Well, the war is all they're, many of them. they're jumbled up there, but I, I just like the fact that he's getting on base and making the pitchers sweat. That's exactly it. There it is. There it is. I think that's where you have to pay attention to what's happening on the field, and he is disruptive. He's a gigantic pain in the ass to the other team. That's the guy. I want nine of those. Give me nine of them. I remember when Kenny Lofton was on the Braves, and every time he, he would come into town, so flippin' annoying, so good, so annoying, and he'd just get on base, and it was just, it was obnoxious, and it, like, raised my blood pressure. I can only imagine what it did to the pitchers. Acuna's that guy right now, and he's yeah, and, dinger. And he, and he might take you out of the ballpark, too. That's the thing. Exactly. I was aware that he was stealing a lot of bases. I was not aware of like how many he had stolen. Holy smokes. That's a lot of bags. Yeah. This is yeah. uh, like prime Ricky. So, so okay, just here's another one. You guys are, you know, both like maybe like seven or eight years older than me, right? And like by the time I started like watching baseball, stolen bases were like they decide, you know, the nerds had decided like actually okay, <laughs> what is like the equivalent of like a 50 home run season for stolen bases you know like what's like we were like holy smokes that guy had himself a season stealing those bags well i mean it's it what era are you talking about there you go that's it He's right. uh, how about the 1990s or how about the 1980s well 80s you would have like a, you know a guy like cecil espy come up and he's got 45 stolen bags and wow that's cool but you had guys like i mean vince coleman what what were his numbers those Dude, are looking plus. at it now 
So I was going to say, in that era, once you got above 90, that's sort of when you're like, oh. And then that's maybe 75 was like a 50 homer season. What he was doing was closer to like 60 homers. And and by the way, then, if we we grade it on that scale, look at what Ricky did in those years. That's like an 85 home run season. Like that, you know, there's those years where they just like said, go. You know, like they just this automatic green light, just go. And, and and he decided, this is great. By the way, Howard Bryant wrote a book on Ricky. You should read it. All right. And, and he gets into this there where just the mentality and like, ah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And, and just the sort of competitor that Ricky was and, you know, gosh, like how smart he was too on the basis too. I, I mean, he always had contemporaries who were fast runners. But, you know, Ricky stole those bags because he was studying way ahead of his time way ahead of his time very cool stuff anyway he gives a lot of credit to davy lopes just like the little things that that you have to pick up on uh i just want to put this in your head when i was a baseball player in my youth uh i had the fluorescent i've told this story because you made fun of me for the gloves but the fluorescent gloves uh and i would just sit there and i would my lead i would hang down like ricky because it it was (laughs) so cool it was so cool but uh, I just want to point out that this stuff is all cyclical. For example, you had in 1951, uh, it would take like to get in the top 10 of all baseball, like 10 stolen bases. Like there were, that was back then, you just didn't steal. You would have Willie Mays say, man, if I had known that 40-40 was going to be such a big deal, I would have done it. But, you know, you just didn't steal bases back then. Uh, so I think this thing is cyclical. I mean, the rule changes have helped it come back, and I don't think baseball's worse off for it. Hell no, I think it's better off for it. And, and of course I'm biased. I, I started watching the sport when guys stole bags thought it was a blast i still think it's a blast it's great and it and it is one of those things where you listen to the people on the field and they talk about just how disruptive even the threat of that can be to a guy on the mound to a defense like the, this this idea of pressure i know there's people that will scoff at that but you know i think there is definitely something to it not everything right like that's not you don't go and build a team of dudes who can only steal bags or whatever i'm not saying that but um having that element Man, it changes the game moment to moment, and and that's a, that's a fun thing to have. I would love if a team actually tried to do that, though. Like if they just like put nine burners on there who could also <laughs> pick it. I mean, you, you saw that with the like the '85 Cardinals. They had Jack Clark Maybe. had 22 home runs. Andy Van Slyke had 13, and he was second on the team. But they could fly. They could fly around the bases. They could make you sweat. You know. If only there were a team that was fast, put the ball in play, like someone in the mid-2010s that won a World Series and another pennant. None comes to mind right now. Hit the bell, baby. Hit that bell. His prop bag like carrot top. Here we go. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Voting for the NL MVP would be a bit challenging this year, if only because you have to think about do i care that acuna might be a slightly below average defender you take it into account certainly like i guess like i'm wondering is like he's an absolute wrecking machine right at in all facets offensively uh also you know mookie bets is that as well and he's like a plus defender uh he's not yeah it's just it's just an interesting i think acuna acuna seems like he's gonna win that seems like a perfectly reasonable you know outcome it just Again, the voting is really challenging, and I'm I'm glad I don't do it because I think you can't just 
I don't know for unless you're voting in the American League where you can just click Otani pretty much every year. Like you really do have to to in- investigate some of these things. I think to do it right. Absolutely. I mean, you think about it, it's a spectrum where when Barry Bonds won four MVPs in a row, he would bring a lawn chair out to left field and he he didn't add anything out there defensively. Uh, so, yeah, but no one cared. No one cared because he was getting on base 60% of the time or whatever. So I actually really enjoy that part. I love the nuance. I love getting into it. And I love it when there are votes where there aren't a ton of wrong answers. You know what I mean? Like when you get those votes and you've got the writers explaining it and you can read every article and it's like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You said it with defense right there. I think not bring anything is very different from hurting the club. And so long as you're sort of closer to not bringing something instead of hurting the club, the offense will carry the day. And you know what? What award probably exemplifies that the most? And this is going to piss people off. The gold glove, right? Like, I mean, come on. Like, sometimes with the gold glove, it's like, you know, it's a prominence award. And they happen to be pretty good defensively or okay, like, you know, so, and that's not every time, obviously, don't get me wrong. But I think there there have been instances, obviously, where you're like, man, that, that guy really a good defensive player. Is he just like, you know, well known, right? Like, because anyway. November 7th, 2010, Andy McCullough tweeted, uh, Lee led the AL and FIP in response to someone like, wonder if Sabre guys figured out a way to relate wins to pitcher. And like, you were just like, you know, come on, man. Like, we've got FIP. That's what we're doing. Grant, yeah. You want to talk about stuff that happened when you're 22? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. No, we can do that. Yeah. They didn't have Twitter back then. Let's see. You know, we can go back and you know, read your live journal or, you know, your Usenet nonsense, like, man, that's good. I got owned there. I will say I was very much that person when I was young and stupid, you know, not older with children like you guys, where I, you know, felt like wins did not matter. And it was unfair to punish players for not playing on a good team. But I've covered good teams and I've covered bad teams and I've covered baseball for a long time. And I've spent time around some of the best players to ever play and I've talked to them a lot and I believe that good pitchers tend to win their games and that is my point I'm not saying that Logan Webb's not a good pitcher I'm not saying that at all I'm just saying that good pitchers look look when when a pitcher goes into the hall of fame with a losing record we can talk about it uh, listen until over then, time until over then, time until it then, will even Grant, out I get yes, it in, until then Grant the pitchers who go into the hall of fame will have won more games than they have lost. Okay, well, uh, let me hold myself accountable. Like you were saying, when I was 22, do you want to be held accountable? Okay, so I'm at the Horde Festival, right? And Blues Traveler just played. Black Crows are coming on. They're the headliner. I'm so intoxicated that I feel like I'm going to throw up, right? A crowd, right? And I'm at the front. Do you, and I had this debate in my head, do you just go, bah, in front of you? Or do you go, like, down your shirt and try and be sneaky and just ruin everything like are you trying to save the people around you like what do you do in that situation you couldn't you couldn't pull the ripcord and like you know run off to the side no man I, it's like you're boxed in it's just black crows baby oh, you know everyone's yeah, right. like remedy yeah let's go remedy. yeah dude everyone you you had gotten the run around and your stomach was all jacked up what did you end up doing i've got a pretty good stomach so i just just powered through just i ended up like oh, not wow. had, having yeah, like I've got a, I've got like Seinfeld streaks of, of stomach stuff uh, because I'm, I'm strong. I'm strong like bull with that. I'm sorry. I just got to email Sarah to get me off of this podcast. Hang on one second. I can't. That's it. 61, I'm done. I'm out. 
That's it. Ball game over. That's it. Uh, all right. That's a. I would just love, uh, you know, like Mark goes, Mark leaves this meeting and then he, you know, he goes into a call with like, you know, top editors at the New York Times. They're like, Mark, what were you up to before? He's like, oh, uh, you know that guy Grant Brisby? Uh, yeah, he, we were doing a podcast about one time when he puked at the Blues Traveler show. And they were like, how much do we pay for this company? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, that's the hook that always brings our listeners back. All right, this has been episode 61 of the Roundtable. Uh, we'll be back next week, and I, we didn't get to the Braves as much as we wanted to, so I think, assuming they're still good next week, we'll, we'll talk some barbs next week. Uh, we'll be back to talk about baseball, because that's what we do. See you then. I was very wrong. <laughs>